Everett. Yeah. I hear you have some new body tech. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've been drinking Pedialyte all day, every day. In, <laughs> Exclusively? In, well, in addition to water. I don't know what the right Who needs water? Is. Uh, I recommend drinking water, but I, I don't know. You, people only drink Pedialyte when they feel crappy, but I've been drinking Pedialyte when I feel normal, and it's just been it's been... It's been putting me on another level. I feel stronger. I feel more powerful. I'm seeing clearer than I have in a long time. I can't believe I just walked back into the room in the middle of this. How, how, can I ask how you got... Did you just try it and then go like, hey, this works? Or? Well, so my part... I, I had, had only ever drunk it when I was hungover. And my, right. we, me and my partner went out to Korean barbecue and karaoke, and she was kind of hungover the next day. And I, I went and picked her up some, and I just was sipping it, and I just started feeling stronger. You know, <laughs> it was like <laughs> Tobey Maguire and Spider Man One, just feeling more powerful. I mean, it's just it's just Gatorade, isn't it? Or is that a dirty thing uh, to say? I don't know. I feel like I I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, I can't tell you why I feel so good. I can just tell you that I do. You know, I I can I can do a, a similar test with Gatorade and report back. But I feel like maybe there's less sugar. I don't. I need I don't a blind know. taste. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Final question about this. It, it has a flavor, right? What flavor is it? Did you uh, buy a flavored one? Thick. thick. I, 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 Extra I've thick. been I've been going through them, so I like I like <laughs> the green one the most. Okay. But I just I ordered some blue ones, um, and I'm drinking the blue one right now, and I'm not sure how I feel about the flavor compared to the green. I think we can get a sponsorship for both for both of our streams awesome. and content platforms. Because <laughs> the, the, the thing they, they they've only their their whole audience is sick people, right? Pedialyte, uh. but they really they're really missing a huge portion of the unailed population. You know, there's a lot of people that aren't sick that could be drinking Pedialyte. <laughs> there's a lot of people that are totally fine that just need a little boost in their day, and that's it. Yeah, I, I've been talking about this on stream too, and uh, apparently they don't have it over in Europe. But it's it's basically Gatorade that tastes worse, and is I think <laughs> I think that's just because it has less sugar and a little watered down. Yeah, a little watered down. I'm thinking about putting water in the Pedialyte ahead of time. That way, I don't have to like you know I can just do it all at once. Well, if we get you that sponsorship, yeah, you you won't it won't cost anything anymore. You just replace all the water in your house with that's Pedialyte. True. true. Yeah. yeah, who needs factor meals yeah. when you've got <laughs> Pedialyte meal replacement plan? Hello and welcome to episode 245 of The Dive Down, a Magic the Gathering podcast focused on the latest decks, trends, and strategies for the casual and aspiring spike. My name is Shane, here in Denver, Colorado, with me on the line... From Texas, it's the one and only Everett Mohan, aka Aspiring Spike. Welcome back, my friend. Yeah, good to be back. I'm excited. I, I like you know, what's funny now, Everett, is we're to the point where I just assume you're always busy doing something cool, whether it's you know brewing decks, streaming things, making some kind of video content or something like that. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not gonna bug Spike, but this week you're like Shane. I want to come on, and I was like, heck yeah, let's do this, bud. Yeah, I, I kind of figured that was the case, so I wanted to put myself out there. What a day for you to to uh, for us to reconnect too, because wow, <laughs> yeah, Twitter was on fire. Our Discord was on fire today. It's October sixteenth. Everybody knows what day, a day that will live in infamy, maybe. And also, <laughs> this, this is the Godfather. Yeah, no comment for me. It was a weird one for sure. I haven't really been on Magic Twitter at all today, but I was. You're better off. Well, I was in my chat. My chat was definitely going crazy today. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's the Godfather Dave Harburger from Chicago, Illinois. It's Hello, me. Dave. I just tried to uh, self-introduce myself so we can get onto the discussion. But first... Like Jay-Z. First, yeah. Let, allow me to introduce myself. That's a different song, too. Um, I... I, I'd love to just, let's just get into it. But first, I want to talk to you both about Heavy Play. Please do. Heavy Play, a new card game accessory brand that'll improve your game play and your game day. You know, we love Randy and everything that he's doing over at Heavy Play. Their play mats, deck boxes, and card sleeves feature enhanced ergonomics, mobility, and protection, as you all know. Dave. Yeah. I, I'm going to interrupt. So I really had my first full, like, RCQ level tournament with, with the Heavy Play stuff. And I enjoyed it quite a bit i had the i had that i had that thing where you uh we got repaired okay like so first round sat down got everything out right had everything set up they're like we have a repairing and everyone's like groan and like i'm just i just put, I just slap my stuff to my mat and just calmly walk to my next place i'm not like trying to throw everything in my bag i'm just good to go yeah was that thanks to heavy plays unique equip mag system that allowed you to magnetically attach your dice bundle decks and carry your play mat with one hand you know <laughs> yes, i call, exactly. I, I call exactly it abc I, I call it abc it's attach bundle and carry like that's <laughs> that's what heavy play does wow. always always be attached bundling and carrying that's actually, did you come up with that on like the cuff right here? Just just now, because hey, I noticed that was, the, that was actually great. ABC, <laughs> attach bundle carry. But. You know, Everett, I do work in advertising. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. My partner also works in advertising. Oh, she I didn't know that. Yeah, she does. Oh, God, we should get together and share horror some stories synergy. sometimes. Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, so carry all your gaming gear in a single hand. It's coming soon to an LGS or shop near you, but you can also go to heavyplay.com and use code the dive down 2023 for 10% off your first order. That's Heavy Play. Thanks so much for your support and thanks to Heavy Play for supporting the dive down. Shame what's on this show. Oh my gosh, there's so there's there's a lot. It's I feel like we just we have these these series of sort of grab bag episodes, but modern is basically a series of grab bags these days in terms of what the discourse is, in terms of what the cool deck is, in terms of what we're doing. We've got Everett back on first time in a few months. We want to talk some beans. I and and lack of bands. Yeah. Bands and beans. That's what this episode is mostly about. Um, yeah. And, you know, like we, we basically were planning on having something to talk about in relation to what got banned or maybe restricted. Maybe we're going to have our first restriction in modern. We're not going to have that. But, you know, we'll, we'll talk about perhaps what the thought process on this was. I think we haven't had Everett on to talk about, you know, what you think uh, the state of modern is. I'm sure you've talked about this ad nauseum on your stream, but not everyone who listens here watches your stream. So, and we don't, we haven't talked to you about it. So let's get, we'll get in the weeds a little bit on there. I played an RCQ this past weekend. I will not bore you all with a tournament report, you know, round by round type thing. But I think what I really have is sort of a follow up to our discussion last week that was all about scam, scams place in the meta, our kind of general takes on scam. Cause I have some more. The, the bean stuff, I think we have some cascade beans that I know you've been playing with Everett. Uh, Dave, you played with it this week, right? I did. Sweet. I did not. I was too busy preparing and playing an RCQ. So I'm interested to hear what this is all about. I have an idea. I have a sneaking suspicion, but we'll all find out together. And then of course, Nerd Rage Gaming. Uh, we are the official podcast of the NRG series. They had an Indianapolis Pioneer 10K showdown this past weekend. We'll talk about that event. Um, just see what's going on in Pioneer again and give you a little update about what the meta was looking like up there in the Motor City of Indy. People love when you do that. But first, we're going to do some housekeeping. Yeah, classic bit. Super classic bit yeah, that's for the that's for the real dive heads that are that have been with us for 200 episodes. 
housekeeping new patrons chuck m thank you so much for joining us on our on our patreon we appreciate you um we have one new review from cardboard hoarder who just said great show five stars just want to see if they actually read these guess what we do i'm not sure why it took two weeks for us to get to get this review but yeah there's a delay on like the review aggregator so apologize cardboard b hoarder and then finally, we've been talking about Spotify a lot lately. Spotify is popping off with the engagement lately. Oh we had gosh. 11 comments on the last episode from Florian, Dylan J, Lucas K, Sonny S, Man W, Alex N, Kimchi, Dark Depths, Kevin S, Peter C, and Dr. Cool Guy Dr. from cool uh, guy. Homestar Runner, apparently. And uh, thanks to everybody who took the poll. We'll talk about this in a minute. We had 162 votes on that poll, which is pretty great. Wowee. Yeah. If you'd like to support us, please check out patreon.com slash the dive down. You can check out our store at the divedown.com slash store. You can go to Manitraders. Manitraders is the longest sponsor and partner of the dive down. Manitraders.com. Rent magic online cards. Use the code the dive down 23 to get 10% off your first two months of rentals. Still awesome. Manitraders. Barrister and Man. Will is still supporting us as well. You can use code THEDIVEDOWN23 on great shaving and skincare products for 15% off. And finally, our friends at Energy, just cross-pollinating some synergy with the team at, Ener- <laughs> at Energy, but you can get 8% off uh, if you use code DIVE8 at Nerd Rage Gaming right now. Okay, bands. Yeah. This was, happens, this, is, this happens quite frequently <laughs> these days, where we know that there's a band window, or we were thinking that there was a band window, and it is October 16th, and what happened the announcement was so sparse and so weird that i honestly thought it was one of those fake pages like i, did I was yeah. i thought that it was a fake and then i was like well that's the url maybe yeah. they maybe they 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 published it without you know updating the content and their cms but literally no changes to all formats yeah. but by the way we have a <laughs> we have a new product for you to purchase in the form of of form of the change boosters we'll talk about that in a, a little bit later i think that was that was equally weird yes so we all know no changes to modern no changes to pioneer those are the formats we care about um Here's the results of the poll that we put up about what people who listen to the show think should have been banned for what it's worth. 162 votes, 53 votes for grief. That's 32% of people who voted in this poll said that grief should be banned. 16% or 26 votes went to Fury. 9.9%, 16 votes went to Orcish Bowmasters. 27 people or 16.7% voted for the One Ring. And nothing got 24.7%. So realistically, grief and nothing were kind of the leaders in all of this with the rest kind of following it. And guess what? We got nothing. Uh, We deserve nothing. And that's what we received. But what what do we all think? Everett, you know, we just did a whole episode on on Scam last week. So love to hear what you think. Yeah. So I'm coming into it in a very weird spot where there was probably like, for like maybe two, three months, I've been pretty in favor of banning grief. Mm -hmm. I think that the... The gameplay with Grief is pretty miserable. I think all of the worst games in Modern involve that card. Uh, I, I also think when you have the the Grief scam, the Grief scam combo, your win percentage is like crazy high. I think it's like you know between seventy and seventy five percent in you know across across the board. And then when you don't have it, you're still playing a really really strong Modern deck. And I think that that dynamic is problematic overall. And I was like very in favor of banning grief for a long time. And then I started to work on like the Cascade Bean deck. Mm-hmm. And and the Cascade Bean deck, more or less, I think that it is, you know, going to if, if you haven't seen it, it's it's kind of a, a weird, a weird looking list, but 
It is more or less a four-color Omneth deck that is playing Charlotte's Agent and Bloodbraid Elf, where Charlotte's Agent is always cascading into up the Beanstalk, um, and Bloodbraid Elf is usually cascading into a Beanstalk or Charlotte's Agent. You play a couple other cards, too, like Teferi Time Raveler and like a Nissa or two. Right. Um, and the, the idea is that up the Beanstalk is a ridiculous card, and it's an even better <laughs> car, card advantage engine than the One Ring, and it's a card that gets crazy in multiples, so being able to play like, you know, eight copies or like, you know, 12 copies if you count the Bloodbraid Elves is, is a really ridiculous formula because you just very quickly get three copies into play and then every time you evoke a Solitude or a Fury or cast a Leyline Binding, you're drawing like three cards and you're able to like just remove all of your opponent's permanents, right. draw most of your deck and attack with Bloodbraid Elves and Charlotte's Agents until your opponent is dead. Right. Um, I found this formula to be very, very strong. I think it's I think it's better than like the existing four color Omneth decks with some like small pros and cons. But I think overall it's a power level increase. Um, what does this have to do with scam though, Everett? Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm getting there. I, okay. I'm getting there. Uh, okay, so, I'll let you cook. Yeah, so I, I I kind of a very simple simple like more out out you know focused view. The One Ring. In my mind, before uh, Wilds of Eldrain was a very borderline modern card, a card that is like close to ban worthy, right? Um, like probably like a, a, definitely a design mistake, and clearly the best card advantage engine in modern. Yeah. After playing with Up the Beanstalk for like two months now, or a month, or however long it's been since Wilds of Eldrain, about six weeks. It's about yeah. six weeks. I feel very confident. I think most people can even agree at this point that Up the Beanstalk is a degree better than the One Ring. Yeah, which is a very interesting and weird dynamic. Dang. Is that we we had the best card draw engine ever? Up the Beanstalk is a degree better, and I think and so what's what's very interesting and weird is that the Beanstalk decks are very good against the Grief decks. Hmm. And another interesting dynamic is that the Beanstalk decks are very much in in flux and changing and evolving. There's a lot of people excited about the deck, a lot of people playing different versions. Um, there's a really cool hand, a cool deck in the copy in the hands of a player named Tristan. I can't remember Tristan's full username, but top aided the mock showcase with the same kind of Cascade formula, but was playing like Ardent Plea instead of Bloodbraid Elf, which pitches to Solitude and Force and and was able to play Force of Negation because you can't play that card with Bloodbraid Elf. Right. It was playing Time Warps. It was playing like seven yeah, cards. Was that, yeah. was that four Time Warps and seventy card deck? Right, I think I saw them. Yeah, I think so. Something like that. Yeah, I, I was playing a time warp build before the Bloodbraid build. Um, I played that the day before, but mine was like sixty cards. I think Tristan's list was better. It was pretty. It was pretty interesting. And and so so my my main thought is that like with like the bean, it, it does. But despite bean being so good and better than the One Ring, it also feels early to ban it. It's been legal in the format for like a month. It's it's kind of like similar to Orcish Bowmaster in the sense that like. Both cards are really, really good, but they're also very popular. Like the player base as a whole really likes the, the card up the beanstalk, I think. I think it's yeah, in general a popular card that might change after a little bit of time. So it's like a gravity well pulling things in around and, it, swirling around yeah. it. And so and so I I I think that in the long run that there's going to be like fair decks of modern are gonna be it's gonna be grease gaming grief versus the up the beanstalk. And I, th I think that Modern would be in a much better place if you banned Grief and banned Up the Beanstalk. But I think it doesn't really make a lot of sense to ban Up the Beanstalk now, despite that me, that's my prediction for where the format's going to go. It doesn't make a lot of sense to ban it now. It is just, I think, too early and doesn't have like the uh, metagame percentage and the tournament like results to ban the card yet. And I also think it doesn't make a lot of sense to ban Grief at the moment because if you ban Grief, then like the, the bean decks really do just <laughs> take over. Go completely and, wild. Yeah. yeah. 
what do you think? So, like, I was at the RCQ this weekend, you know, a lot of, like, 61 players, a lot of people playing Scam, a lot of people talking about Scam, of course, you know, so many mirrors, mm-hmm. and just, as, of course, it's just the discourse of modern players right now, right, is right. not only just Scam, but bands overall. And a lot of the conversation that I was hearing or involved with was, like, you know, if saying stuff like you, right, which is, like, if you take something out of scam then you're gonna have to take something out of the omnath decks probably gonna have to take something out of the cascade decks like i heard people talking about like violent outburst and things like that and i'm wondering i guess two questions this is the worst way to have an interview right is by uh is two-part questions one like what do you think about that general sentiment and then two where does that leave us like where do you stop do you stop it like okay well then we'll have creature combo decks where like yogmoth and maybe heliod combo are ruling the roost or like what you know are we all playing like merfolk out there like are we do we ban stuff till jun saga is like the best <laughs> deck like what are we doing although jun i mean people are saying like ren and six which you know jun saga plays so well you know the reality is that and and i think i think nothing is like more true it proves this point better is that the majority of like magic players are kind of bored and like they, they want, they yeah. want things to shake up and they want change and they want the format to be exciting and interesting all the time. And I'm, I'm not really any different in the sense that like I, I love when things shape up and I love when things change. Like, these BNR announcements, I think, like most pe- most of the time, like I think Wizards wants there to just be no changes, and and like they just I don't really know what their point is, but they they I don't think Wizards wants it to be this big content day that BNR has like kind of turned into, but it, right. it, you know I understand it being this big content day. I I, I think as far as um like banning grief, banning something from Omnath, it's it's all like a weird dynamic. I think a lot of a lot of this sentiment comes from like gameplay being like pretty poor b- both with like scam grief and uh and the omnath decks i think that that's kind of the biggest issue i think that the point of wanting to remove something from the cascade decks doesn't make a lot of sense because if you ban grief you are nerfing living end also right uh which i think is definitely of the of the cascade decks the the deck i'd probably prefer get taken down to peg because also, like when I say grief, all the worst games of modern involve grief. I do also mean living in like the games where living in like grief, <laughs> griefs your cyborg card, force negations your cyborg card, and then living in you. It's just like it's just like one of the worst things ever. And there, there's a really fine line I think with managing the ban list based on win percentage and also managing the ban list based on gameplay considerations. I think it's unrealistic to expect wizards to just treat a format like this machine where it like the only reason you ever ban something is because it's so dominant and the win percentage is so high. And it's also unrealistic for wizard for you to expect wizards to ban any any deck that has poor play patterns, any deck that the general player base perceives to be unfun. I think it's just a very nuanced thing. And I, I also think Wizards has done a, a, a very good job curating the modern ban list over the last like four or five years. I think they've done a better job than I would have just by myself. Like I, I think like the preordained unban was something was not on my radar at all. And I thought that ended up being like a fantastic ban at the time. I thought that the Luris and Yorion bans, I, I did not expect them to ban them at the those cards at the time they did. Um, but they both ended up being, I think, being like big net positives to the format. And I think they've taken a very careful, slow, curious approach to the format that's been slower than most people maybe would like or expect but i think in general has been pretty good one of the things we talked about last week was we identified a lot of ways in which people appear to be attempting to target 
scam specifically because it was all about scam. But I think there's decks that are attempting to sort of target the wider meta altogether and just sort of ways people are playing the format, whether that's going to be something like like hardened scales or you know just a, another natural predator to a number of decks. Then we can see options for people attacking what's going on and creating natural metagame churn but then like after this weekend i'm at the rcq and i see like probably a full 20 percent of the room on scam and and people seem to be you know not necessarily enjoying these mirror matches yeah i mean one of our other friends of the show who was also in denver by the way the day after you rcq'd said he was at a tournament that's spencer that was 40 percent scam <laughs> no yeah he said 40 percent that was his claim. I mean, that seems like an exaggeration he but... said it was like 19 out of 41 people which Holy is smokes. like hype. So, I mean, I don't know. Look, we were on the show last week and Shane and I both said, we don't think anything needs to be banned. <laughs> but then the the week went on and it was kind of, I mean, I still kind of don't think it needs to be, but the week went on and it's like the number that was 15% became 20% became these anecdotal reports of like 40% over the course of like 10 days. Like, I guess my question is, there are other options out there that we think are decent against scam. Like, do we think this wave is going to crest? Like, what What do you think, like, now that there hasn't been a ban, do you think the wave is going to crest, or are we just going to ride it like this for a while and kind of this is what it is? I don't know. Like, to some extent, you know, it's hard to predict, like, what is ever going to happen to the format. But the reality is, like, you can play a deck that has a favorable matchup against Scam, yeah. but it is, it is like, truly an impossible deck to hate out from Modern in a way that I don't know that, like, I, I've made, like, the last time, like, I felt like a deck was impossible to hate out from Modern was, like, Cascade Valky. Right. Um, like, like I, I played a PTQ at that tournament where... My opponent turned one, cast a cast a, a Tybalt, uh, and was able to resolve it through a Force of Negation via, via their own Commandeer on turn one, because <laughs> they had Simeon Spirit Guides. Right. And I was and and then and then and then I, I I'm pretty sure like I for I Force of Negation they commandeered I ne- I needled the, the Tybalt and then they were able to like brazen bar with the needle plus the Tybalt and like just win the game anyways. It was uh, like ma- main deck needle was crazy, and Scam is not. As extreme as that deck, that was the best deck you've ever seen in modern history. Right, but but it it is it, there. There's just no amazing way to attack it. Again, you can play yeah, a deck that has a, has a favorable time, a favorable matchup against it, but it's like. You know, you can you can resort to playing Leyline of Sanctity or Leyline of the Void, but both like both of those like it's you have to keep a really good seven card Leyline hand. And Agreed. Yeah, it really has to be like seven cards too a lot of the time because like if you keep a Leyline of the Void hand, they just like you're just going to lose to Ragavans and Bowmasters and Fable if your draw isn't good. If you keep Leyline of Sanctity, you can lose to Scam Fury super easily. Lose to the same other cards I just mentioned. You also have to like, you know, and, and this and th- these ley lines are like your desperation just to beat those scam draws. And so you can sideboard other stuff. But if, if you're not playing to beat the grief draw with those cards, the grief draw can beat any anything you have in modern, like just period. Yeah, right. Including other grief draws. Like I, I played yeah. three, I played three mirrors out of six rounds. Right. And the games were just as miserable as one would describe. Like, I think I probably had like I had one good game. Out of uh, one, two, three, four, seven. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And the other ones were uh, I scammed them on the play, 
and then the you know the other ones were I'm mulling to five because my hand is just trash and I'm just like well hope they don't have it and you know they're keeping seven or keeping six and then they get me and that's just the kind of and you know it happened for me and it happened for them so it's like I'm not complaining about it it's just kind of the reality of the situation and I think kind of what you're saying Everett is like the overall matchup spread for scam is so strong combined with the the ceiling being incredibly high and the fact that like the best way to beat it is just sort of you know hope you win the die roll or keep a better hand and then go from there now i'm not trying to call you out specifically shane but like last week oh yeah you, you I mean, and I i'm much I'm, more I'm seeing something different yeah. yes yes what what and do you think happened you just played a lot more scam while you were prepping for this rcq and then went there and yeah, experienced I, it more or you just you saw the looks on your opponent's faces as you crush their 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 titan dreams yeah. into dust or what do, I, what do you I, think yeah i played even more like i played even you know i played a couple leagues i've had the the six rounds at the rcq and I don't know. Part of it is just like, like I kind of said last week is like this consolidation around certain decks in the format feels stronger than typical. And in my local meta, that's things like Amulet Titan, but we're seeing that as a pretty high percentage deck just on the online and other paper deck uh, metas and you know, Scam specifically and a surprising lack of the Omnath decks at in my local meta. Like I've seen like three RCQs worth of data and people just aren't necessarily playing it in paper just yet. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure we'd see it more in other tournaments. But anyway, the the I guess what I'm getting at is like, almost like what I think Stan was trying to get at last week. I don't necessarily agree with like the, his potential reason for this, which is like, he thinks it's not a necessarily great deck, but I think it's like, we almost need protection from ourselves. Like, can you stop us from just playing the best tournament deck by getting rid of it? Like this deck that has like really strong matchups overall and in, in, against most decks. And then if you want to beat it against itself is, is you're going to play it. Excuse me. If you, if you want to beat it, then you're going to play the same thing against it a lot of times, or maybe hardened scales. If you think the meta is going to be 40% of the room. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's the thing. It's like scam is like kind of weak against four color Omnath. It's kind of weak against scales. It's kind of weak against coffers, but it's not, you're just like playing a normal game of magic where you're slightly unfavored. And right. I don't know. In a lot of ways, it reminds me of Pioneer in the sense that like once you come to like an understanding of the format and an understanding of sequencing, when you're playing Scam, it, you're just not making that many like unique decisions. Like yeah, I you think sure it, aren't. I think it comes. It takes time to like learn to be proficient with the deck and understand the sequencing. But like it, it's it's it reminds me of Pioneer. Like once you understand the important matchup dynamics, you're in a lot of ways capped in like in like how well you can play your games and 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 I think that Magic games are very interesting when they're different, when they're varied, where you're doing a lot of different things. And like I think that's a big problem with why people don't like the gameplay. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Like, I, I've played tournaments with Rhinos. I've played tournaments with Scam. Those are kind of the, my, the main decks that I've done a lot of playing with over the past you know year or so, right? And I think that with, with Rhino, I told Dave this on Discord uh, yesterday, probably after my tournament, because uh, my tournament's on Saturday. So I was like, I think that I made way more meaningful decisions in my rhinos games than i made across all of these scam games and that seems weird to say because it's a mid-range deck right but like ultimately a lot of the things like you said were either i only had so many decisions because i only had like effectively two cards in my hand and the other ones were for you know scamming and after i scanned my opponent we're just top they're they're in top deck mode 
And I can't really make a lot of decisions based on that. Um, ultimately, you know, of course, there's like, you know, the usual, like, you know, what's on the board, blah, 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 blah. But I, I think like the interaction that I had with my opponent being sort of all front loaded is a lot less interesting to me than the interaction throughout the game that I even have with a deck like Rhinos, for instance. And that's, and that's not necessarily meaning, it's still not getting at a ban. Does this need to get banned? Ultimately, I'm saying like, you know, do we need protection from ourselves playing like this deck that is not necessarily particularly interesting, particularly compelling, but also just quite good? Yeah. I don't know. I, I like playing Scam. <laughs> I've said on the show a bunch of times. I've played oh, it for like a long it. time. It is so weird to me. Not weird to me. Like it's, it's always felt like a powerful deck, but it's so, it's been a journey, right? To go from basically last spring to now to have it suddenly be like, hey, this is so much better than... And yeah, I know it added Bowmasters and other stuff that we talked about last week. And the metagames changed and things like that. But like, it's wild that this is where we've... To me, that this is where we've ended up, is that that whole thing has turned out to be so good that just you can't stop people from doing it because it feels great. Because it feels like you're in control the whole time, I guess. I, I don't know. But I, it's I high roll, I guess. You're like, yeah. it's like people will will take maybe an easy path or a deck that has a slight like I don't think it's that easy to play, but maybe maybe that's on me. But it's um but it's a um you know, people will take the high variance, high reward play if they can. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I agree that it like I don't think there's any deck in modern that's easy to play. Sure. I like I, I think I think that I, I it, to me, I, I mostly think that when you're playing Scam, it, it takes time to get proficient with it, and there are there are interesting decisions. But I just I, I feel like you get to a certain point where you just identify exactly what you're supposed to do in every matchup, and it's very clear yeah. what it is what it is your roles are. Like, is this a turn one Fury matchup? Is this a matchup where I really need Voidwalker? Is it a matchup where I really need Bowmaster? Like, you just I think come to a pretty fast understanding, or fast is not the word, but eventually you come to an understanding of what your role is in every matchup. What hands are keepable? What hands aren't keepable? What your sequencing decisions are, and you, you're you're mostly just kind of going through the motions at that point. Is is, right. is kind of what I meant to say. And it takes yeah. time to get there. Like it, like there is skill involved in like learning that that point. But I don't know. To, to me, to me, it feels very like it feels very much like mono green and pioneer, mm. where you just like you just know exactly what kind of hands are keepable and matchups, like how you sequence all of your cards, and and like you're just kind of like operating the machine to me mm -hmm. if that makes sense which is fine like a, lo yeah. a lot of magic is like that but yeah, I, I sure and, and i i think a lot it's i think maybe even the majority of magic is is like that but i think a lot of people kind of look to find something else when they're trying to play the game so the reality is that we that we have no changes not not n neither in modern nor pioneer i think based on what we've been talking about pioneer recently looking at the pretty darn even uh deck performances that kind of move up and down slowly i think that Pioneer is probably totally fine to not have a ban, but modern people were expecting it. I think many of us were expecting something. We didn't get it. Where are we going? I think you kind of hinted at this earlier, Everett, which is like you expect the Beanstalk decks to become more popular as people iterate on them as, you know, it, what's funny, Everett, is you did the thing where it's like at my RCQ on Saturday, one guy was like, yeah, I mean, I'm playing the Aspiring Spike Cascade Beans deck. Like they just had it in paper that day. They were like, this looks like I'm, I'm going to bring this. And like, I, that's the kind of stuff I think that just continues to sort of build on itself, right? Is is those kind of trends, especially if the results are there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think the bean, the bean deck is really interesting. And I, I, I need to kind of take a little bit of a step back to understand it some more. Like the initial results were like pretty crazy. It was like one of the, like the better, like two, like I, I can't remember what my, I think my record after like two days was 
uh, like maybe 27 and five or something like that. Yeah. Um, but it was also like, it's also been very weird where I like, I could feel and see and like having, you know, talking with people online. It's very clear that like the modern metagame, like immediately started to adjust. And there is like this arms race in the bean deck. Mm-hmm. That was very interesting where there's like a ton of different strategies to approach the mirror. And the mirror is really weird because if you don't have tech for it, you just like your opponents will just be able to answer all of your threats and you just can't and you won't be able to kill them. Like and, and if they just have a way to not deck themselves with like an endurance or something, you can't win. And then and then so like people are trying to win the bean arms race. And then you also have a lot of people, I think, like, I, I got shielded by Scam a lot more than I had been lately. I think people are playing more shielders in the sideboard of Scam. And and I, I, I feel like people started to play more, like, combo strategies. I heard that pe- people were playing, like, a lot of Bird in the prelims to, like, combat the bean deck. People playing, like, Red Green Valakit. Like, there was at one point I was, like... 20 and five with the bean deck and four of my losses were to red green valakit or something like that um which is like like such a like weird anomaly and so and so this is kind of what i mean and like modern's kind of i feel like in some ways like in a in a frenzy here where people are like playing with the beans they're playing they're playing to like combat the beans and they're also like all the bean players are can can you know very concerned with not with like not losing the the bean arm race too which is a very interesting dynamic. And I, I don't know where it's all going to settle. I don't know where it's all going to settle, but I think it's going to be uh, a part of the metagame going forward for sure. Yeah. I mean, theoretically, we have another band window six weeks from now. Yeah. I can, they can also just like on any freaking day say that something is banned. Like, and I, I, I think if they ever, if the, the, if the human beings in the R&D department ever come to the conclusion that something needs to be banned, they'll probably just come up and say this will be banned on a day. And I don't, they, they, the, the BNR announcement just feels like such a guideline and, and that they, they never stick to anyways. Right. They change it every year. Yeah. Like what they're, what, what they're doing with that schedule. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not something to read so much into, I think. So. All right. Well, scams not going anywhere is the in the immediate future is what the general diagnosis is. But neither is the One Ring. Neither is Bowmaster. Right. Is you yeah. know all those things that people think are potentially uh, warping the format in some way, shape, or form in a way they don't really want. Yeah, I mean it's weird because I will say you know we don't usually talk about stuff like this, but the episode last week was. I mean, of course, we were talking about bands. It was the highest like the highest week we've ever had in downloads. Right. And we've been on a general uptrend with engagement on our channel, let's say overall. So I feel like as someone who gets like that kind of data as well over the last two or three months, like people have been very interested in modern. Like we've had good reception. People have been tuning in. We've had good engagement in Discord and all the places like that. So like it's weird for me. To ha- at the same time, have so many people who are annoyed by the state of the format, where at the same time, people are really engaging heavily. And maybe they're engaging to express how annoyed they are. <laughs> but also, there's a lot of people brewing in our Discord and trying things out. And oh, so, yeah. like, I, I don't want to necessarily end this segment on, like, a super negative note that's just, like, well, scam is still ruining everything. But, like, I, I don't know. I, I mean, again, I get back to, like, who's our audience? I mean, who's, who do we say this podcast is for? Who are we? Yeah. And ultimately, like, you know, we're, we're casual spikes. We're, we're people who identify as people who like winning, like getting better, like thinking about their play. But ultimately, it's like, you know, it's not our, our, our life's destination is not to like win the, the PT, right? 
And I think that in terms of engagement opportunities for people to play their weekly modern event, you can, you can play whatever the heck you want. Do you know what I mean? Like you don't have to play scam. I think like a lot of the conversation is sort of driven from the, the top down where it's like the the weekend challenges where people are going to bring the best tournament deck, the RCQs where people are going to bring the best tournament deck because they just want the best chance to win, even if it's not their favorite deck, right? But I think like that's it's good to always keep that perspective, which is just like, hey, like if you want to like brew something cool, if you want to try to attack the meta with like your your particular idea or concept or like tech package, like I think that's really still an opportunity just not maybe maybe not necessarily at the rcq or maybe not necessarily and the, the weekend's challenge or something like that yeah, yeah. And, and the reality is also like it's it, it is in a lot of ways good for people to be hot and cold on a format and in an ideal world you know everybody love the format and it's all just perfect but it's just not a very realistic point to get any magic format to it's very very rare I think that you see that everybody's just having a good time and engaged. And that's usually after like a big, big shakeup that people are just kind of in a honeymoon period for a while. For the most part, your good formats, you have people where they're super hot and cold. There's things that you love and there's things that you hate. And that passion kind of drives you to play and explore and innovate. Like this year in 2023, I've played 205 different decks on stream. Wow. Last, year I, last year I played 363. The but who's counting? Uh, Moxfield is actually I had, I had no idea before but they <laughs> I, I, I didn't there's just too much but like they, they sorted all my decks by year and so I actually like I just pulled up the that's number. cool yeah and it's like there's there's and there, there's there's stuff you can be doing like there's 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 a way for you to engage with modern if you're passionate with about modern if you're excited about the format if you're interested and it's it's fine to complain it's fine to express it but that that is part of the experience it is I think is being yeah. frustrated about about a, a cards that's that is like so quintessential to modern is being <laughs> upset about broken interaction. I mean, I will say it's so quintessential to magic. I yeah, mean, yeah, we've all we've sure. all played this game for a while. Like we can all remember different points in time and whatever Sarah formats Angel. we've all been engaged, yeah. or even just like this bomb bomb rare that I hate playing against in draft or whatever. Like that's that's yeah, that is I guess, part rock. of it too. Yeah, wing may rock. That was that card was busted. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I guess I'm gonna keep scamming. Yeah, yeah I mean, like, I, so that's kind of, I guess my not my question is my question is not like, hey, what are you gonna keep playing, but more like, uh, how how are you feeling, Everett? Like, you know, you play modern more than most people on well, the planet. I can't think of it, anyone who plays more modern. Oh, there's Everett. definitely there's, there's definitely there's people some? though. Yeah, okay. I think like Brazilian grinders probably play more than me. Okay, um, top one percent though, right? Yeah, sure, probably. Yeah. Okay. We can agree on that. Yeah. How are you feeling? Like, you're just kind of, you, you wait, wait, can't wait to go to work tomorrow or just kind of uh, like, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I always can't wait to go to work. Like I have, I have lots of stuff that I think is like interesting and like, um, I'm like very interested in like mono black decks with either Phyrexian Crusader or like, I, I think that the mono black, like no cost, like the, the mono black coffers and mono black without coffers. Like mm -hmm. I think both of these decks are very good. Um, underplayed in general and like yeah. just, just got a lot better because Shieldred is like, so so tough to beat for the bean decks because you, you have to draw <laughs> right. off, off the bean. You don't have to draw off the ring. You have to draw off the bean. And, and, and wins against scam game one or yeah, game two and, or game three. Yeah, with the, with the Nasif like cling to dust tech, like like you're pretty like you're pretty reasonable against scam. And there's 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 a lot to be excited for. Like I think um, there's a lot of things in like like hardened scales has become a deck that I had become like very invested in, and yeah. it, it, it was like my number one tournament deck for a while. It you got me to try it a couple weeks ago. Honestly, yeah. we talked about it a couple weeks ago because of 
how well you had done with it in the last couple of months. Yeah, I yep. think that deck's great. I think, and I, I think that like if if you can figure out how, like I, I, I did like the matchup uh, against Four Color Omnath with um with scales before they printed Up the Beanstalk. I think Up the Beanstalk is like just so good against the scales, um, with how cheap it is and how it just like plays into their game plan really fast. But I'm thinking that you can maybe play like a Force of Vigor game plan post board against Omnath as scales, and that like maybe can swing the matchup. And th- there's just there's just always stuff to do. I you know, I've been like I've basically been playing modern full time for four years. The only time I ever like got sick of it and switched to Pioneer for a while was was it was all, it was really just because Pioneer was coming out for the first time. But this was yeah, like yeah. this was like the Modern Horizons one, uh, Mox Opal, Urza, Mystic Sanctuary, Oko <laughs> Oko Once Upon a Time deck. That deck was yeah. like. It, that that deck really made it kind of impossible to brew because like there wasn't any reason to play like a different fair deck in the format yeah. and it, and like the, and like before the deck came out it's kind of funny where Hogak was around but Hogak wasn't played very often in the leagues on Magic Online and everyone just had four ley lines in the sideboard and you would beat Hogak like thirty five percent of the time or something even with your four ley lines and the games were over really fast but the, but the Urza deck the games were grindy and yeah. long and there was just like no good cards against like the deck was just so powerful. Yeah, I hated that that yeah. deck too. The worst, yeah. the worst. And, and I, I, ch- I feel like my stream was able to succeed because of the the ban announcement where they banned Faithless Looting, banned Hogak, unbanned Stoneforge Mystic. That was like, but that was like maybe like the single biggest day for my stream, <laughs> where like people like just finally got to be invested in modern again after that. And yeah. and then I, it was just like you know a, a long long journey after that. But I, I, I'm always excited. There's always something to be doing. Like even even if shit is like not uh, not perfect, you kind of don't want it to be perfect because then there's nothing to do. You know yeah. what I mean? There's nothing to innovate on and try new stuff. Yeah, and I guess stuff could always change with future sets. And you know, if nothing else, people have said this a lot that when Modern Horizon three hits in nine months from now or whatever that is undoubtedly it'll tip everything over regardless of whatever the metagame is at that point in time it'll, yeah it'll something will happen who knows I, what i kind of have a weird prediction that image through image three is going to be like less impactful than image one and two. Oh, i i i i didn't consult on the set um so i don't actually know or have any insider info well, other what's than- weird as i did so <laughs> oh, <laughs> did you? I wasn't gonna, uh, I wasn't no, gonna no, tell no. you guys. I, the NDA just lifted. Okay. No. Well, the, I, I it's weird because like when I did the Lord of the Rings stuff, they told me not to like talk about till spoilers and stuff are up. But like I know like Mason Clark has said he's already he's consulted MH three and like mm. they're they're a lot more lax with like the NDA stuff now. Right. Uh, and so it's it's like I don't know. I just kind of have a feeling that they understand the general the general angst around Image two and they understand. I, I think like image two at the time it came out was like very necessary to be a hard reset on a modern format that was like the 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 the, the time between image one or like you know War of the Spark and two image two was a really brutal. rough time. Yeah. It was brutal. It was it was just like the worst era in modern's history, in my opinion. And I think I think that it's I think that post image two has been the best era, but it's just been very different from how it's been in the past. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that because it's now been so good, or at least I perceive it to be really good, I, I would hope that they don't mess with the formula so much that everything's out of date. And I, I would, I really don't expect them to either. My my confidence in play design and wizards is like very high, and it has been for a long time. I think like from like Caldheim onward, like like there's been just so few design mistakes. There's been a few. But it's just like compared to the like the dense like I, I can't remember another era in Magic's history where I didn't where there 
weren't just like random broken stuff like every other set. It's yeah. just been it's been really good, I think. Yeah. So speaking of random broken stuff, do yeah, you want to do, do you want to get out of here? We'll t- we'll take a we'll take a quick uh, ad break. We won't we won't subject you to that ad ever. We'll drop it in later. We'll fix it in post. We'll fix it in post. Okay. And then we'll come back and talk about uh, how about up the beanstalk a little bit more deeply, which you you've hinted at as being a, a new powerhouse in modern. So why don't you all stay with us? David. Shane. My friend. Yep. Let's talk about our beards. Let's talk about some beards. Let's beard out for a minute. So we, we've established that you don't shave. I had a shave this morning, my usual Monday shave. I enjoyed it as always. I used my old friend Waves, which I will highly suggest picking up any and all Waves type products over at barristerandman.com. But you you are less of an aquatic guy. And I and as we're in the autumn Autumnal months, what are you into lately from your Barrister and Man uh, locker? Well, I got, I have a whole array of beard oils. <laughs> On my on my counter, as you know, is, that's like is, me in the aftershave balm. I have like literally four of them in my medicine cabinet. Yeah, I have been using the Marilyn beard oil, and now there's not a huge amount of these left, but it's great. You said that the scent. I have not looked into what exactly the scents are on it. You said that it's sandalwood. Okay, so I, I love. I always love the, reading the descriptions. Notes of amber. Okay. Bergamot, which as yep. we know is a funny orange. It's a funny orange. C- cedar. Clary Sage. That sounds like a Magic the Gathering card. Oh, yeah. Clary uh, Sage. Uh, tap. <laughs> two colorless and a green. Tap to give target creature plus two plus two until end of turn. There you go. Perfect. Sorcery speed only. Coriander fur labad, l- l- labdanum. Thank you. Leather. Opono- I need to ask, Will, what a, a, pope, a poponax is because I read it last week and I still don't know what it is. How's it spelled? Uh, O-P-O-P-O-N-A-X. You look that up. I'm going to look. I want to say what else is in here. Tonka, which is like a Tonka bean type thing. Tobacco, sandalwood, vet, vetiver, one of my favorites, and Lung Lung. I got to tell you, I think that the scent I'm getting from Maryland the most is a Popanax. Is a Popanax. What is it? A, po- a Popanax is a wonderful name for a glorious gum resin ingredient that's smoky and soft, oh. luminous and sensual all at once. Some people think it smells like crushed ivy leaves. I got to tell you. <laughs> I was going to say that, it's crushed got ivy this leaves. Kind of, yeah, I've, I'm well acquainted. I used to live in a house that was covered with ivy. A lot of people don't know that. and uh, But it does kind of have this resiny, like interesting scent that you, um, it's very unique and it feels a little fun and interesting. Uh, as opposed to some of the stuff that feels to me a little more uh, conservative and of will stuff like you know your sandalwood and stuff. I love those yeah, too, yeah. but this is like a special special day one. Like Maryland's kind of like doing something special with my beard today, which which is again why we like barrister and man stuff. You yeah. can you can get kind of the standards that are just going to be like your everyday. You can get the the wild off the wall like cool novel statement pieces as well. So Marilyn, I see, is available in an eau de toilette. It's also available in the beard oil right now. There might be a few other odds and ends around. So I uh, we. We both think you should check that out over at Barrister and Man, M-A-N-N.com. If you use coupon code THEDIVEDOWN23, gets you 15% off of that first order. Like I said, holidays starting to come up. Get your big stock up all at once. Get all your stuff. Get 15% off. and Or feel free to wait to the you know the big holiday restock, the, all the new products coming out in November that we talked about last week as well. So we appreciate all y'all keeping our relationship with Will going and uh, enjoy all the products over there. I'm going to introduce this section. 
because I have the least to say overall. Thank goodness. I feel like I feel like every episode I'm talking more than everybody else. And then, so I love having sections where I just get to listen and say, mm-hmm, oh, that's fascinating. Oh, I agree. So, y'all, I mean, a few weeks ago, I'm sure ever you, you, that's the one episode you've missed of the, you know, the hundreds that we've done in the past few years. Yeah, I, I've never missed an episode. <laughs> uh, but we, we talked about, um, part of the episode was talking about uh, Up the Beanstalk. I personally played a few leagues of the Bring to Light version. That's a little bit more controlling, in my opinion. And I thought it felt, even for me who plays no decks like that, I thought it was like, this is good. I just don't know how to win with it enough, but this is clearly a thing. And since then, of course, like you said, people just keep iterating on this concept. How do we win the best with Beanstalk? How do we get the Beanstalks out on the battlefield? And that's what we're here to talk about is kind of this newest idea. Yeah. And Everett, as you said, you've been iterating on it. I'm looking at your Moxfield page right now, and there's five Beans decks at the top of here with great titles. Fury of the Beans. Burnt beans, shardless bean turns, <laughs> calibrated beans, four-color bean Calib- cascade. How do you calibrate your beans, Dave? Calibrate them uh, <laughs> with calipers. Yeah, of course, <laughs> for calibration. So, yeah, I mean, ever very, very into this card. We already talked a little bit earlier about what, what's going on with some of the principles here. But wh- I guess the best way to start is, you know, there's a lot of different things that we could talk about here. But I, I have such a hard time figuring out how to talk about decks like this because they're always such a pile of just extremely good cards. Just four color in general. It's like if you tell someone who's played a good amount of modern, especially since MH2, hey, we're going to do a four color deck, they can probably tell you 80% of the cards that are in the in the deck without really having to see what the most recent list is, right? That's probably fair. So how, you know, what's happening here that's kind of making this rise up to the top again, I guess, or what, I guess it's just Beanstalk is amazing, right? Yeah, like that's that, kind of that, it, right? That, that really is something I want to hammer home is that the one ring was a card that brought the resurgence of four color back in a big way. It was a deck that was very good at capitalizing on the card advantage of that card. Up the Beanstalk is a better card draw spell, card advantage engine yeah. than the One Ring. Hard to is, believe, but yeah, it is. I know, I know. Yeah. I, if you had told me that any like random uncommon from Throners Wild Zelda Dragon would be better, like I just would have never believed you. But it's it's just so cheap, it's so fast, and you know it it it's they get so good in multiples. It just does basically everything you want to be doing. Can I can I ask you one a couple questions about this just to be clear? So when we spoil like talked about this card, like spoiling this card, and we were like, hey, we think this card could be something. We were like, people were trying to play Karuga, right? And this card is better, is clearly better than like Karuga, right? But the thing is, it's five CMC is the is the trigger. So you have to really like watch what you're casting. Of course, you have all your elementals to do that. But for me, the big thing that made me feel like this card was going to be good is that it draws a card when it comes into yeah. play, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Like that's that's the thing with up the beanstalk is there's really no way besides like like Narset or, or like killing you with Shieldred to trade favorably with it. You can spell snare it, you can spell pierce it, but it's a two mana spell, so it's very difficult to do that anyways, and. If if the up the beanstalk comes down and you like play play haywire might activate it exile beanstalk the beanstalk player is up like a very strong two for one you both spent two mana and they drew a card and you spent your removal spell against prismatic ending it's a very strong two for one against leyland binding it's a very strong two for one and that's just the floor of the card you know the the floor of the card the and it it, it is like just gonna sit and play very often draw you an extra card every single turn sometimes multiple cards every single turn. 
And I, I also do want to say, when I say that Beanstalk is better than the One Ring, the, the text on both cards, the, the text on One Ring is more powerful, but Beanstalk being two mana yeah. is just such a big deal. It, yeah. What do you say to the annoying people like me, perhaps, that are like, yeah, but I can play the One Ring in anything if I so choose? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's an artifact. It doesn't have to have five mana value or higher cards played to trigger it i can you know just drop i can draw more cards perhaps more efficiently without building my deck around it i i, I don't think you'd be wrong i i think in the in that sense that that is a big point in favor of the one ring there was a long time back when people were still like jace the mind sculptor where i would talk about how card the great crater was so good and one big point like for card the great crater was that why it was better than jace was that it was colorless and you could play it in decks like tron and titan that was an advantage to the card. This is also an advantage to the Wandering, but like that, this is just how powerful I perceive Up the Beanstalk to be. It is a card that, you know, you're just mostly playing it in these blue-white X decks, but it is just, it is just simply that good and that, that warping. And it, a big it, part of this too yeah. is just the way that cost reduction effects have become a huge part of modern. I kind of think, right? Like we have, we have this whole group of cards at this point, you know, it's headlined by the elementals, but then there's leyline binding as well. And then if you go through cards that kind of have the power for um, for modern, you look at some of the lists that you have, like I'm not sure which one of these is the one that you were playing with, like trap cards and all of those kind of <laughs> things. Like maybe that's a bit of a meme, but like yeah. there, there's all these cost reduction effects in modern that take expensive spells that conditionally turn into cheap spells where you trigger the the beanstalk off of it, right? Yeah, there's a lot of like fun brewery stuff you can do. I play like Soul Spike, and I, I played uh, uh, Allosaurus Rider, and I've I've played a lot of like you know di different cards with Up to Beanstalk, and had like usually pretty good results. But one one thing I really want to highlight about the card, and I think this can maybe help some people contextualize why Beanstalk is better than a ring and why it's so good. Think about an opening hand you can have in Modern. Are you ever happy to have two four drops in your opening hand? Of, of a modern deck uh, with the exception of like grief like plus a black card you're almost never happy to have two four drops you want to have like three lands three interactive spells and then like one four drop that's going to draw you the cards right you when you have up the beanstalk in your deck you are so happy to have any number of them in your opening <laughs> hand you're so happy to draw it every single time you draw it you're so happy when it's in your opening hand it is like the best possible card you could have in your opening hand in your bean decks it is just always always very very good but you know four mana spells in general they just have these floors of they're clunky you you miss your land drop you can't cast them they're bet they're you know slow and and bean just doesn't have those draws i think that may be a good way to to illustrate it um yeah yeah. So let's talk specific. I guess you've done so much brewing with this lately. Like I'd love to, I, I played the cascade version, like the, the four color cascade one. Do you want to start talking about that a little bit? Like, do you think that that's sort of the base level version of that deck right now? Or do you think there's so much innovation going on that, you know, we talked about the redundancy, like what you're trying to do is make sure you get up the beanstalk every time. And that's why you're playing cascade spells. It's kind of similar to like, the sort of similar to like rhinos the way rhinos plays it in a sense but is that the baseline for the deck or do you think that's an offshoot or like do you think it's just on un unknown right now i think it's a little a little bit unknown i think like there, there's there's so many different ways you can build the formula to, to some extent like 
you don't have to cascade into up to bean stock for it to be good obviously it's like still just going to be a good card to play in a lot of different shells like even like the like the monday of last week this deck kind of like got swept under the rug but i like i was playing the the calibrated blast deck with up to bean stock mm-hmm. i was like 11 and 4 on the stream oh, with geez. the deck and it was like this deck was like particularly impressive and is also probably very good against the cascade bean deck cuz you just calibrated blast them to death but it's but it, but it's <sighs> I think that the specifically Shardless Agent into up the Beanstalk and just having having like your only two drops in your deck are like Fire Ice, Leyline Binding, and, and up the Beanstalk itself. Like this is still like, and then you have your evoke spells on turns one or two. You just have plenty of early game interaction. And like very simply, Shardless Agent is better than the one ring would be in these four color decks. And um, you don't, you also like weirdly don't need to play Ren and Six is something I'm starting to understand too, where... You just cantrip so often with up the beanstalk. It's so hard for you to miss your land drops. It's like ridiculously hard for you to miss your land drops. And your curve is lower. You're not playing like as many four mana spells. And so like you don't need those like you don't need to like rent and six into like your Omneth as often anyways, which is so weird. Yeah, um, I mean, I mean, Lorian Revealed actually in a weird way helps with the Ren and Six problem as well. Like I know that it's, they're not really the same class of card at all, but having, that's something I found when I was playing this deck a lot was I was so happy to just be like, sure, one land, two Lorian Revealed and, and a bunch of stuff. Like, I don't care if I just have a single land here, I'm going to go f- just press go. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even yeah. if I'm cycling Lorian Revealed on turn two, because I bring a, a Triome into play with a fetch land on turn one instead, I still felt like you were, I was making up the time with it because it just feels like the mana is really resilient you get up the beanstalk and there's there's so much connective tissue for a deck like this to work now i think it just does i hate to interrupt you but for the listeners at home who don't have time to in their car to go click on the deck list in the show notes Mm -hmm. what are we talking about with this deck like in terms of its build it's how many cards do we have is it like a 75 card deck you know what are the threats how are you trying to finish the game all that kind of good stuff what are we doing here that's what i'm trying to try to trying to get to i know i can take so long to to get places (laughs) with my thoughts um but but yeah so like more or less I think that that formula is good where you the only the, you, you have a Charlotte's Agent in your deck. The only two mana spell you can cast when you cast Charlotte's Agent is up the Beanstalk. You have a very low curve. You have up the Beanstalk. You have a Leyline Binding of Fire Ice. You have Revoke Incarnations. So you have a lot of good early interaction. I think the formula beyond that is very open. Right. Um, you can you can do the Bloodbraid Elf to Fairy Time Raveler thing. That's what I've been doing and having a lot of success with. You can play the Tristan style Time Warp version. I had a Time Warp version. I think Tristan's build being 70 cards and playing Ardent Plea is better. I wasn't playing Ardent Plea in my build. Uh, you can just not play these other Cascade cards, have Charlotte's Agent be a card that's better than the One Ring, and just play like a bunch of Omnas and play like a more traditional four color shell. You can play like the calibrated blast version. There there very much is like an arms race here. And what's very tough about this arms race, and this is something I was like talking about on stream today and kind of coming to understand, is that the metagame is changing a lot. Both the bean decks are changing a lot and the decks people are playing to counter the bean decks are changing a lot. And so it's difficult to understand what version is the best positioned in this ever-changing environment. So I think it'll take some time to settle down, but I do think that you're going to see Charlotte's Agent into up the beanstalk be like something that regularly happens in your modern tournaments. But beyond that, I can't tell you exactly like what's going to happen. This this makes sense. I mean, I'm all about shardless agent cascading into things. Let's let's do this, right? But I think one of the things that we talked about, 
I think when Dave was playing this deck or when Dave, when we were like at least talking about this deck sort of appearing. And when I played the Bring to Light deck, one of the things I appreciated was the fact that like not only is Bring to Light five mana, but what it casts can also be five mana to give you like a couple triggers. In this deck, I'm, it's like there's this, what to me looks like a surprising lack of actual five plus mana value spells to trigger the beanstalk that you're building your deck around getting into play. This is a similar thing that we talked about the first up the beanstalk list that we saw very, very, like weeks ago. We were like, really? People are just going for four up the beanstalk all the way when there's only 12 yeah, cards that exactly. really trigger it. But I got to tell you, ever that's plenty, right? Yeah, not, not only is it plenty, but like, so like when you get to, like, I, up the beanstalk is best with five plus mana spells that don't actually cost five mana. Yeah, like, for you sure. Know, and yeah. so, but you also like, when you have five mana in the deck, you have four solitude, four leyline, four uh, fury, and you also have like two or three Lorien revealed. So you do have like 11 cards in the deck that you can spin five mana on and like trigger as many beans as you have in play. Right. Um, I, I, I played Elishnorn recently too. Like you don't have to play yep. Elishnorn, but you, you don't need that many because like you have four fury, four solitude. Like you're usually going to yeah. have a five mana play when you get to five mana. It's also enough to have to cascade into like three of these, get the cards on the way up and then cast like one fury kill stuff on their side of the board and then you have this huge strike like double striker that just drew you three cards when it yeah. came into play like that it can be enough to just stabilize get enough material again on its own yeah i'm remembering now the games where it's like i had a couple beanstalks in play and because the the deck that i was playing didn't have as many sort of direct threats as like you know this deck with fury and elish norn and things like that it's like I, I was like discarding cards. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, I've got too many cards. I'm drawing through my deck too aggressively and I'm not good enough to like handle this like amount of card advantage. So like maybe I'm sort of getting a little bit to win more by thinking like, don't, don't you need to build your entire deck around drawing a zillion cards? Yeah, because that's kind of the fun thing about Up the Beanstalk is it mostly just keeps your hand full. It doesn't necessarily like draw you up to like 15 cards or anything. It can if you have with multiples in play, but it mostly just keeps your hand full and make sure you can just do use your mana as effectively as possible every turn. That that is one thing I really liked about the Bloodbraid Elf build though, is like like you're just playing putting Charlotte's Agents and Bloodbraid Elves into play and you're casually attacking with them while you're just focusing on drawing as many cards as possible for for zero and one mana and removing all their permanents. Like the Bloodbraid Elves just close the game pretty quickly while you get to enact your your deck's game plan which I found to be a very good formula like at first last week. And it's just very cool how it feels like people are just like trying to go over the top of that and trying to like counter that deck's game plan. So the, the metagame is definitely changing a lot in a very interesting way. And in a way I feel like I haven't seen in a long time too, which is, you know, has got me excited. So high level, like let's talk about how a deck like this wins. Cause I, the problem I have with decks like these when I play them is I always end up with a grip of cards and then I have so many options and I'm like, it doesn't feel like I'm doing the, the removal, right. You know, where I'm kind of like, Oh, I didn't mm. really get rid of the right cards on my opponent's side. Or I, I don't know, like the, the sheer card advantage sometimes just feels like it doesn't get me there. So let's within the cascade deck to start, like you said, the game plan there for winning the game, is like a little bit of chip damage with your cascaders, but really eventually you're going to hard cast a Fury probably and attack in with it or cast an Omnath and attack in with it once you're kind of way ahead. Or like how, how do those, does the end yeah, game yeah, usually play that, out for that'll you? That'll happen a lot of the time. Yeah. I 
I, I think I think that people maybe underestimate how much damage Blood Braid Elf does. You cast one yeah. Blood Braid Elf, you don't hit from three. You cast the second one, you attack for you know, a total of nine, and then like they're, you know, it, it doesn't take much more than that to finish your opponent off. One yeah. kind of fun thing about the deck too is you have four Fire Ices in your deck, mm -hmm. um, and you can kind of like once the game gets towards the end game, you just get to count how many Fire Ices do I have left in my deck. Mm -hmm. And usually the usually if you have enough Fire Ices in your deck to kill your opponent. You're just comfortable drawing as many cards as you want. One thing I found in the Cascade deck, and I've, I've started to play against people online who are playing it a lot, is people will just, will just put the fourth up the Beanstalk into play aggressively. Or it, I, and In my experience with, with the build I've been playing, you are almost never supposed to put the fourth up the Beanstalk into play. Four is it, too powerful. It will almost always like just put you in a spot. <laughs> like You know the card Force Fruition? Cast a spell, yeah. draw seven cards. You almost you almost always just deck yourself. Wow. Um, uh, playing it, 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 it depends on the game. Like if if you're just like if you're playing against like Yogmoth or something where you can just actually kill everything, attack. It's not like that. But against I think remove against a removal heavy deck or like like scam or uh, the four color mirror, you're just gonna deck yourself and lose if you don't wow. if you're not like main decking and endurance or something, which you can. You know that's definitely definitely an option. Yeah. Um, and so that, that that's one big mistake I've I've seen people uh, people miss. Um, I, I I do I do agree with you, Dave, that hardcasting fury is like something you're wanting to do to actually like get damage in. And but but for the most part, I I would as long as you're not decking yourself, you're 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 almost always going to win the late game because your late game is so good. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't worry about it too too much. Yeah, and in the early game, as far as this particular deck goes, one question I had a lot was like how much am I supposed to be just interacting? Like, should I go ahead and go and ley line by? I mean, there's, there's no rule for this, of course, but like, I felt like after I played that I didn't bias enough towards just trying to play up the beanstalk above everything else, like take damage, go ahead and let burn hit me twice or whatever, just play up the beanstalk, make sure that you get it online as fast as possible, whether that means getting, you know, shardless agent into it on turn three or making sure you drop it on turn two instead of doing anything else. Like, is that the, a good rule of thumb for how you should sequence the early game too. So, so what what, one, if, if you're playing against burn, you're probably having a bad time. That matchup is really tough. Yeah. Uh, I, I played four, I started playing four Leyland of sanctity in the sideboard. Um, and never played against Burn, obviously, as long yeah. as I had those in the sideboard. I will tell you, I played this list with the four Leyland of Sanctity, and I, I leagued. I only got one win in the league, but I did win against Burn because of Leyland of Sanctity. Okay, so, <laughs> that's good. So I'm glad I put it yeah. in against the right matchup, for what it's worth. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think as, as far as your early game, it all kind of depends. Like, right. I think to some extent, like, if you have it up the Beanstalk in your hand and your opponent plays a turn one Ragavan, this is, like, maybe a good scenario. Right. It, you have, like, you have Solitude, uh, Solitude, White Card, Beanstalk, two lands. I think you should usually just Solitude the Ragavan. Like, the okay. Beanstalk is going to put you so far ahead of most Ragavan opponents. Like, you want to avoid falling too behind on mana if, they, if they're Murktide, like, falling yeah. behind, like, multiple counterspells. And if they're Scam, avoiding getting turned two Blood Moon. Right. Um... I think it's it's always going to be very situational dependent. But one one big piece of advice too I have for the Cascade deck is that the deck mulligans very well. Um, just any hand with a Beanstalk or a Shardless Agent is going to be a great hand, and you should like pretty seriously consider just mulliganing a, an opening seven and a no matchup that's all removal spells and no beans. Okay, I got I gotta ask. So like, what's what's the what's your game plan if you're like, okay, I'm gonna really rely on this beanstalk early, right? Like I'm not, I don't have, are you, are you, 
is the caveat like you also have some kind of interaction whether that's like fire ice or a solitude or fury or like you know what's actually kind of like bridging you between the beanstalk play and your you know quote unquote five mana you know value cards whether they cost five or not you you don't need a bridge there because you're pitching to to make it work i mean in terms of the, the bridge meaning like the cards you have and like if you don't have them in your opener are you just like hoping that you draw them because like you said there's no if there might be only be 12 or something like that right yeah it, it, it depends on the matchup right so like if you don't know what the matchup is and your opening hand is like four lands fury ley line binding you know if, if it's if it's just like random removal i might i might mulligan because you don't have enough to be in stock yeah, right if you know the matchup you know your interaction is going to line up well against your opponent most of the time i would probably keep and hope to draw enough to be in stock it just kind of all yeah. depends yeah. yeah yeah i'm being i'm being like you know slightly pedantic here but like what i really want to get out of you is kind of like what do you you really looking for here right like is it like am i am i primarily looking to lean on the bean or am i primarily just trying to play like a four color omnath deck with yeah, yeah. Like and, all and my the cascade elementals? deck in the cascade deck you are entirely leaning on the bean there's like there's just like that's like the whole deck there's not really another plan and what's interesting too is like because like you're playing asian and bloodbraid elf like these are like random beaters and the, you're you're so good at keeping the board clear in the omnath deck that like it's just kind of easy for you to play these like three twos and two twos, keep the board clear. Your opponent has no blockers, and you're attacking uh, your opponent until they're dead on like turn like six, right? Six, six right. or seven. Right. Um, that that's that is like the general the general game plan. That is the the hope. And a lot of times your opponent is interacting with you, and you end up going very late, and you overpower them with the draw late. Um, and uh, and then a lot of times you're playing against like, and if you're playing against like a spell based combo or big mana, you're gonna be unfavored game one and you have a lot of like effective cyborg cards that you can try to draw into off your beans game two a lot of people wanted to like play like a lot of like two mana spells to cascade into off charlotte's agent post board but the problem with that plan is it's not going to happen very consistently because you still need to keep your beans in otherwise like you don't really have a good transformative sideboard plan and you also only have four charlotte's agents too so like you have charlotte's agent and violent outburst like blood Raid elf is not going to hit your two drop with any consistency at all so i right. mostly like the plan of just like using your beans to draw into like a force of vigors and obsidian charmals and commandeer commandeer has been like very impressive finding the right number and the blue cards has been very tough but that card has been crazy <laughs> i've had yeah. some like very fun moments with that and so um, that that that's kind of or you know to fairy time raveler to lock down cascade or like finding endurance against living in that's kind of like your general plan is like you know game one removal if removal is not good like you're trying to draw into those interactive sideboard cards and yeah. and uh, it's to some extent I don't think a, a super duper difficult to play deck to play once you get several reps in with it I think there's maybe some stuff that's unintuitive like like you, you don't play the fourth bean almost ever um, in that build but you know. You cast the cards in your hand, you remove their stuff, and you know you win sometimes, you lose sometimes. <laughs> That's <laughs> magic. Like, it is just like magic, yeah. yeah. So there's some, you could talk about your plans and stuff, and sometimes like plans are like really helpful. Like what one tip for any hardened scales players? I see, I see a, this mistake a lot is people play their hangerback walkers against four color Omnath with no Zabaz and no Arcbound Ravager in play. But you have four Urza Sagas, you have four Zabaz, you have four Ravager. You need to wait until you can sack your hangerback walker to get tokens. You need to you need to get the tokens off of it. You can't just let them exile the hanger back walker. Right. So that, like that's a kind of tip that you can give. But like to, for a lot of decks, you know, you, you draw your cards or you cast your cards, and and you know you hope it lines up well against them. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we talked about Cascade. Moving to some of the other decks, do you think so? A lot of them are trying to figure out like 
what's a more powerful endgame in a bean mirror or what's a more powerful endgame for different metagame conditions that are happening. But fundamentally, the engine is so close to the same. Like, it's still got your Furies in there. You got Leyline Bindings, usually got up the Beanstalk. Sure, it changes a little bit here and there. Like, I noticed, you know, the calibra calibrated blast build doesn't have Solitude or whatever. Like, there's stuff that changes as you do it. But that's, is that kind of what's happening? Is it's like, okay, all these other decks are trying to figure out, like, what is the kill plan that's either more assertive or more spell based or more something else to be able to just have a different flavor of using the engine yes i i think that 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 is definitely the case and i think we're going to see a lot of evolution and we're going to see a lot of change over these next few weeks and I, i'm excited to see how the change changes yeah um but it's, it it's yeah it's just kind of early to, early to tell you know yeah it's just yeah it's just uh, not easy to predict what's going to happen. But I think that makes it, it fun, you know. I think, yep. you know, you can listen at home and have an idea, try to join the Beans Arm Race, see how it goes for you. and Yeah. Yeah. It, but and now if we flip it the other way, playing against these decks, it's, it's going to happen more and more often. Yeah. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. so, I feel like the, the, you know, the arms race, I think you've mentioned it, Everett, but I'm not sure you specifically mentioned, like, what that arms race looks like. Like, what cards are people trying to, to use yeah. to go over the top? Yeah, so, so in the Beans Arm Race of the Mirrors, you're playing, like, Nexus of Fate or something I've been playing a lot of. I Everybody else hates it. I'm starting to come around on, like, other plans being better. You're, like, endurancing yourself so you don't deck. You're playing Time Warps. Um, time Warp is, like, I'm starting to think it's likely better than Nexus because you just endurance it back into your deck. And then you just keep, it's kind of, like, the same thing for less mana. Yeah. Um, is, like, very, very big deal in the Mirror. A lot of times it comes down to who has more Alishnorns. Um it's like these kind of like big go over the top cards, but these big over the top cards that are good in the mirrors are not good against like the rest of the field for the most part. And then against the bean deck, I'm seeing a lot more shieldred, shieldred, narset too, more narsets to stop the card draw out of like the, the, like the blue control decks are like main decking narsets and black decks are either like main decking shieldred or sideboarding shieldred. I, um, I think one big problem is trying to fight the bean decks as Yogmoth or as scales. I think if you're Yogmoth, I would try to recommend playing like uh, of course you usually have your children on the side. You could try to play more shielders post board. That's not something Yogmoth players have done. I think that that would is something that would go a long way. Frexian Crusader is a card that is very, very powerful and, and or maybe may powerful is not the right word, but hard to kill. Um, that that can be a plan. I'm, I'm, I'm that's what I'm playing tomorrow on stream is a Frexian Crusader deck. Um, oh, that card is brutal. Yeah. Like black green in fact, or you're just playing it in um, one of these other decks? No, or? it's, it's uh, a cauldron deck. The, oh, okay. Yeah. So if you, uh, it's like, it's like, a so Frexian Crusader is a zombie, which is kind mm. of interesting. So right. there's a few, so you can turn your Frexian Crusader into a carrion feeder and sack a bunch of stuff to make it big. Sure. Um, and also just like cauldron ballista will allow you to remove a counter and deal an infect damage infect. too. Sure. And okay. so like, so it's, it's kind of a weird list. Where we're, I'm also playing Inkmoth Nexus, so you can like also cauldron onto the Inkmoth Nexus and do a right. similar thing. And I'm playing like Priest of Fell Rites is something I've liked a lot. And there's like these mono black cauldron shells. You sack your, like your Bloodgast and your Grave Crawler and your Stitcher Supplier. And you wow. control the board. It's just kind of it's kind of it's a weird list, and it I've played something similar before and like done well with it i'm kind of like you know iterating on it now with the crusaders and has like a weird metagame call but i i will say that um 
I think I think Force of Vigor is very good against the bean decks. Like with them having four beans, four bindings, they're gonna have a lot of enchantments in play. Um, Back to Nature is a card that I think would be really good against them. I was actually gonna mention that as kind of a joke, but like yeah. actually Back to Nature yeah, it's, it's, it just very, destroys all yeah, enchantments. Yeah, seriously, Back to Nature is a card okay. that like I would yeah. I don't I don't know what deck that is not playing its own enchantments that would play it, but right. Um, like hard, like hard and scale, like maybe Yogmoth could could play one. Although typically you probably just play Force of Vigor instead. I caution you against cards like Besage you, Haywire Might, like the disenchants that only kill one thing. Yeah, you re- you need your disenchants to at least kill two things, um, or like like the you know, Force of Vigor kills two things for zero mana. It's just like so so right. nice. Yep. Um, but you know you need something that's like about that power level. Um, yeah, you just can't. You can't try to one for one. You already talked about this earlier. Yeah. But if someone haywire mites the the bean, they you already drew a card. They spent all this mana. So yeah, I think that's a great tip to say. Like you do want to get the beans out of there, but you want to have a plan that either that invalidates multiples of them at a time. Like whatever that is, whether it's a dis, whether it's tranquility, which is what back to nature basically is, or if it's you know Narset. Do you think do you think Narset's going to make a return as a result of Narset's been on the bench for a long time in modern? Yeah, if I was playing blue white control, I would definitely be main decking like probably two Narsets. Yeah. Um I, I I don't know. It feels like a very tough time to play blue white control where I think you're like bad against four colors still even with the main deck Narsets and you're bad against scam and you're bad against scales and you're bad against right. Yogmoth. But um that, so, so that's what's never, different here? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's play? that's yeah. never stopped blue white players before. Yeah. So yeah. um I, I also think you'll see more Narsets in the four color decks. If any Merc type players are brave enough to, to register their deck in modern, you may see like a Narset in the sideboard, like that's a single Narset in the side. Actually what I was wondering about a little yeah. bit was blue blue red or Merktide or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I mean Merktide has just always been so mid and like yeah. it's been it's like in these kind of metagames where it's so poorly positioned. Because in a similar way to scales. The card up the Beanstalk is insane against Murktide. They have a very difficult time countering it. Like, obviously, like, you know, sometimes you'll have, like, Spell Pierce on the play. But sometimes right. you'll be on the draw, and you have a Spell Pierce, and you have a Ragavan. Like, well, right. if I cast this Ragavan, and they have up the Beanstalk, I can't win. Like, it is so hard for Murktide to beat a resolved Beanstalk. It is yeah. It is just it is just brutal. I guess I don't, I don't have super strong opinions on, on Murktide beyond that, and... But I do think Narset is a, Narset is a card I c- you could play to combat it. You could also just try to go over the top. I think Tron. I think Red Green Scapeshift. I think um, Coffers. These are decks that are like, you know, things that you can go over the top of the four color deck and still beat them. Like to, to some extent, um, it's something a lot of people have been saying, and I, I I agree. Like the Cascade build of the Bean deck is maybe the best build of four color, and it's a power level upgrade, but it doesn't really change the matchup spread of four color Omnath significantly it's still it's still kind of like very good against the creature decks and can be exploited by decks that don't play a lot of creatures and go over the top with big mana or combos got it all right well i think maybe we should call it there for beans yeah yeah shane any last thoughts no i mean i think it's 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 good to have like an outline of how this deck is intending to work right and i think ultimately what I really like about it is like it just showcases like the continue the continual churn of modern, right? Where unlike even Pioneer, which has been pretty static for a decent amount of time, we'll talk about that during the, the NRG sort of dive down section as well. But 
you know, that, that's been the same for a while. And every new set is doing something interesting, whether it's, you know, uh, Lord of the Rings or the Wilds of Eldraine. And I, I, I just really hope that you know, and assume that Watsy knows stuff we don't, right? Whether it's in terms of their playtesting, where they're like, hey, you know, this next set has got some interesting stuff. I mean, we've got Agatha Soul Cauldron too, which is like still, I think, in the testing phase. And people are still doing interesting and novel things with it. And I can't wait to see where that card goes, honestly. So, I mean, just having, you know, you on ever to talk about the deck and talk about modern, you, I think is a good reminder to me, us listeners, is just like, you know, what the, what the format's really about, which is like, you know, when, when push comes to shove, it's still like, it's still the people's format in the end, I think. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people like to think of it that way. I like to think of it that way, too. And I think that it is. I, I hope that it continues to be that. Sweet. Well, let's take another quick break. Everett, we'll let you go after this. Um, before we take the break, I, people largely probably know where to find you. But where are you putting out content? How do you want to interact with, with folks on the Internet and things like that? Yeah, uh, on twitch.tv slash aspiringspike, youtube.com slash aspiringspike, and then less, a little bit less on Twitter these days. But I'm still, you know, posting, posting a little bit on there if you're only on there. But I think you can find my best content, my most deep <laughs> secrets and personal thoughts on stream or uh, on the YouTube channel, which the YouTube channel is just my uploaded stream VODs if you can't catch live. Sweet. Uh, Ever, great to have you back. We'll, uh, you know, if, if, if you want to get back on this Pama regularly, let's just keep talking to each other. We'll, we'll get, you, get you on those guest spots. It's always great to have you on, get your perspective, and I'm sure the people out there like hearing from you uh, off stream when it can just be us asking you questions instead of like 1,500 people in your chat or something <laughs> like that. So uh, thanks again for your time, my friend, and hopefully we'll see you soon. All right, here we are. After that lengthy discussion of what's going on in Modern right now, we're going to pop over to Pioneer for a little bit to talk about the Nerd Rage Gaming Championship Series showdown in Indianapolis, the Motor City, this last weekend. Pioneer, 10K, 227 players. I think uh, we definitely want to talk about Pioneer a little bit more as we ramp up to the end of this year with um, the RC coming up in Atlanta and all those kind of things. So, Shane, yeah, what happened in Indianapolis? All right, yeah. So this is the second to last event of this year. Uh, there's the Madison Showdown in November. Indy, I think the I think the main event was this Pioneer 10K on Saturday. Sunday had a modern Team Trios event. The data from that doesn't seem available. Anyway, and we don't so we don't have anything to go over there. So, like you said, Pioneer, we have a few reasons to be looking at it. One, uh, we want to talk about what NRG is doing, of course, in the tournament series across the Midwest. So, the usual stuff. I think I want to start with the meta because we continue to see a little bit of development here, a little bit of evolution. And I here's everything over three percent. Okay, Dave, we've got. Is it Phoenix at 13.7? We've got Rakdos Midrange just behind it, 13.2. Then third place, Mono Green Devotion with 9.3. And then we have a pretty big drop off. Maybe about half the pilots start dropping off. We go from 21 people on Mono Green Devotion to 11 on Rack 4.85. Then we have a bunch of stuff. We okay, Lotus Field combos at four percent, and then we have mm-hmm. four four decks tied at 3.5. Two percent of the meta humans heroic azorius control and boros convoke 
are all at wow. 3.5. So that basically means that the other, the below 3% is like uh, 41% of the metagame or I had the number here somewhere. I've lost it. It's around the same yeah, number as scam in some of the yes, RCQs. Exactly. Huh? <laughs> so, I mean, so we have Phoenix back on top, kind of, you know, what what goes around comes around type thing. Is it Phoenix? I guess sleight of ha- sleight of hand is just was just enough to make this deck what it needed to be. Yeah, I mean that's that's what Devin has told us, and you know if if I'm thinking about decks that I want to play in Pioneer, with that being at the top, I probably that's where I'm going to start when I start getting back into Pioneer again coming up here. Yeah, but yeah, sleight of hand just good enough to uh, to do what you need to do, be a better cantrip. Yeah, but those those top two decks were extreme. It and Rakdos mid were pretty mid this weekend. Like you know, Isla Phoenix was fifty point eight, and Rack mid was fifty two percent even. So you know, perfectly fine. You know, win rates. We've seen popular decks do worse in some of these pioneer events for sure, and even you know our modern events, of course. Mono green devotion was the you know perhaps unsurprising at this point. Uh, in terms of performance, it had a 41.5% win rate. And oh. you know, you remember, it might be longer than we think about at this point, maybe like nine months where people were just clamoring, like, you know, we, we have to do something about mono green devotion. We just, we have to get rid of some peace. We have to ban something out of it. It's just too prevalent. It's too powerful. I have to consider it too much. And I think we are at the point now where I think it's safe to say that mono green devotion might not be the deck that anyone wants to take to a pioneer tournament based on the data that we're seeing, unless you're an extremely confident pilot with it. But Raksak on the opposite end of the spectrum continues to do well. This is a 60.5% win rate for its 11 pilots across about 85 matches. Pretty darn good for sure. And then beyond that is a little bit more of what we've come to expect from Pioneer, which is really even matchups or at least performances. We've got Lotus Field at like 51. We've got Mono White Humans at 51. We've got Azorius Control at 49. We've got Boros Convoke at like 52. The only outlier of our slightly less uh, prevalent decks was Boros Heroic. Again, Boros Heroic doing quite well at 58.2%. And doing a lot better than Boros Convoke, yeah. which is kind of interesting because last time we talked about Pioneer, those two were kind of hand in hand as far as performance went. Yeah, I think Convoke but was Heroic, slightly. Oh. I think I think Heroic was slightly better, but yeah, they were both doing yeah. pretty decently. Yeah, but here, we, but this that's a pretty big difference for you know seven percent difference or so there. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, below three percent, I think a few standouts. Uh, Enigmatic Fires was sixty point five percent, and that was like two point six five percent of the meta. And then a, a bad performance by Azorius Lotus Field again, a thirty six percent win rate um, for its like Oof. four or five pilots. So I think after like a, an initial flash, Azorius Lotus Field is is not really proven to be a, a staying power in the meta. Although we do see people keep bringing the deck uh, to tournaments and small amounts for sure i don't have a lot to say about this meta dave this is the same meta that we have been seeing i know i'm not i'm not deep in the weeds on pioneer i'm not playing it i have no opinions about it but like i guess going back to what we were talking about with Everett is like pioneer does not change as quickly as modern surprise surprise yeah exactly you'd think it would be the other way yeah but guess what modern is just this weird size and shape that 
one little thing can come in and mess everything up where with Pioneer, it takes a little bit more kind of seismic things. And we've seen plenty of improvements in decks or cards that have ended up oh, in yeah. decks from, from Woe, right? You know, you talked about Sleight of Hand. We talked about like Bunny Corn at different points in time. Like there's cards that are making it into the format, but there's nothing that's really changing things quite yet. I think part of it in my mind is just the the axes of attacks and like the way that these decks want to get advantage are overly synergistic me, me and overly meaning compared to modern right where it's like is it phoenix needs particular types of spells and maybe some kind of magical creature that would fit into the archetype right like ractos midrange needs a very particular type of card uh, you know like we saw the the misery's shadow or whatever a few sets ago that sees occasional play that's the kind of thing that would like slide into rakdos midrange or like mono green devotion needs uh some kind of artifact card that would be better than the other 14 you know tutors that are in there and all that kind of stuff right mm-hmm. rack sack is very synergistic lotus field very synergistic all you know mono white humans needs a particular kind of you know creature card that's better than the ones it already has and in modern a card like beanstalk is pretty innocuous right and you can you can slot it into certain types of decks that are are built around maximizing it or not even maximizing it like just using it in some kind of way and it's not saying like i need to be in a combo deck or i need to be in a sacrifice deck i just need to be in a deck that plays cards and guess what there's a lot of cards in modern that you can quote unquote cast for five mana. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, Absolutely. and I think that's just the kind of thing and, or like a cascade card, right? Where it's like, you know, is, if it's three mana value or higher and maybe does something that cascade wants to do. And I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to say that modern has oodles of the types of things that can sort of slot into the decks that want it. But I think that there is potentially more opportunity for a generic card generic-ish card to to see play that won't see play in, in, in Pioneer. Yeah, but we have talked enough about Modern. Oh, yes. Let's go back. We so, gotta go back so to let's Pioneer. go back here to Pioneer. So, all right. So we talked about the overall meta. Yeah. Tell me about this top eight. Yeah, I mean, it's another, it's another pretty good, I mean, good if you consider diversity good, top eight. We've got Hunter Ovington. This is the Swiss finishes. Hunter Ovington on Gruel Midrange. This is really similar to the Gruel deck we talked about the other week with Devin. You know, basically, it's Gruel, but it has that you know that um, Saga card that you know makes a 3-3 beast. It can sort of, you can sacrifice a, a card and sacrifice a creature to get one like of three mana value, etc, etc. Is it three mana values or any creature in your deck? I forget. I don't know. We'll worry about that later. I'm taking a look we'll right now. We'll fix it in post. Dave, yeah. look it up as I talk about Will uh, Kowalczyk on Greasefang. Second place, third place, Jonathan Hobbs on Rakdos Mid. Fourth place, Charles Eiler on Adamantic Fires. Those are all pretty stock lists. What do you find for me? Huntsman's Redemption. <gasps> yes, that's it. Chapter two, you may sacrifice a creature. If you do, search your library for a for a creature or basic land card, reveal it, oh, yeah, that's put it, it into a your creature. hand, and then shuffle okay perfect yeah good card any creature and then the third the third chapter makes what plus gives two creatures plus two and trample third chapter two creatures plus two plus two and trample i got it all right fifth place michael burnett on is it phoenix this is an interesting build to me and dave i'm curious if you have a take here this one has two demi lich haven't seen that card in a minute and i think a full playset of picklock pranksters as well, which yeah. is the one in the blue, one three flying with vigilance. Shane, that sounds bad, but wait, 
There's more. It has the instant adventure spell, Free the Fey, also one in the blue, which mills four cards. And then you put an instant sorcery or a fairy card from among the milled cards into your hand. Yeah. People have been liking this card. It seems good. Like, right, I mean, you, yeah. you, you put, you know, maybe you get a Phoenix in there and you get a instant or sorcery of your choice back in your hand. Seems okay. I mean, it's two draw a card. Yeah, exactly. Mill some stuff. It's like Thought Scour, but you get to pick what cards you draw. Yeah, it's like, it makes me think of like a, oh yeah, it's a good comparison. It makes me think of like a dredge card. Do you know what I mean? Or it's just like, right. you know, I'm, I'm putting stuff into my graveyard and I get something back into my hand, which is like literally what you do with dredge. You know? Right. So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I imagine you're not using the creature side unless you absolutely have to later. Yeah, it's just a but, good uh, spell. But maybe it comes up. Yeah, yeah. And then sixth place, Piper Powell. You've probably heard that name before on the Rona-Luca combo decks that we uh, mentioned just a couple weeks ago. Yeah, um, this has the Rona combo that we've talked about in the past, but also that like Luca attracts a combo backup plan, something to do with your mana if you have a bunch of it. Seventh place, Benjamin Ungar on Is It Phoenix. This is a more of a kind of stock traditional list if you can you know think of that. And then eighth place, Alexander Jones on Bant Ores, which is basically good old boggles. Uh, you know, it's got the second creature. The second bogle is uh, Saiba Cryptomancer. It's, it's mm-hmm. just the one blue zero one with flash with hexproof and backup one, which effectively makes it enter as a one two if you target it instead of something else. So, yeah, I mean, it's interesting that there. This is not playing the green creature from Wilds of Eldraine that Devin had liked in boggles oh, yeah, good point. i've been playing around with a little bit and it's going back to something that kind of has hard hex proof instead of just ward yeah because remember that's that's the difference there but um yeah yeah i mean that's that's definitely a good mini bowl goal for you for sure yep and jonathan hobbs wins this on you know boring old ratos midrange over michael bernat on is it phoenix good player though jonathan hobbs well known oh yeah for sure well known player for sure so yeah i mean there's a, there was a lot of names that I saw looking through the list of players at the NRG as usual. Yeah. Dave, I don't have a lot to say here about this tournament. Like, I, I think Pioneer is sort of in a stagnant place, unfortunately. I mean, whether or not that's bad is in the eye of the beholder, right? Like, yeah. from the outside looking in, you know, we've had this discussion before where it's like people often are just like, I don't want the churn. Like, I don't want my decks to be devalued by bands or by dramatic changes to the format and I can get really good with it and just be like my Lotus field expert, or I can be, you know, a grease fang expert or something like that. But I think that many players are also just kind of like, give me something new, give me some reason to try something new. And I think, you know, we talk to content creators, we are effectively content creators ourselves in terms of the way we engage with the game, especially pioneer. My mother will be so disappointed. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I mean, like, I, I think ultimately it's like, you can't get a huge edge with your deck selection. You know, there's just a really big variety of decks in the top eight. Like I think the yeah. performances of these popular decks frequently is around 50%. There's a few outliers recently. That doesn't mean they'll stay outliers. Yeah. But I, you know, I think that it's nice to be able to have this other format that has a couple of decks that don't really exist in modern right now with their, their game plans. You know, I mean, if you look at like boggles, like, 
that doesn't really exist in modern at the moment. Yeah, if you look sure. at Phoenix, obviously Phoenix doesn't exist in modern at the moment. There's there's stuff going on yeah, you can, in here that's interesting, and it's it's a good break from from modern. I know that people have frustrations with like the the hollow play draw um, <laughs> play draw disparity in this particular format, and like that hasn't been solved yet. But I still think there's a lot of fun to be had here in Pioneer, yeah. and yeah, I think if you, I mean, you can play different decks than you can in modern and that's a good thing i mean just last week stan was like i just wanted to be playing like is it phoenix and pioneer again like i just wanted to like yeah. try this out see what's going on there because it's like you said it's like you just can't do that type of thing like your your spell slinging decks are like prowess you know what i mean that's not really the same yeah. thing at all so i'm there with you like i think like i'm not saying that pioneer is bad i'm just saying like I, I do understand why some people might be down on it, but also I think it's a good opportunity to be like, look, I can perhaps be up on this. Like, you know, if I just like to grind some decks and be good at things, like, and there's certain types of play styles, especially like, you know, battlefield style play styles. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. go for it. The, yeah. I want to touch a little bit on Dave and I want to pick your brain. Like, I think one thing, one topic I want to get in here is that Mono Green Devotion, I was kind of hinting at this earlier, is like a great example of like a deck of, I think, that everyone was like, this has to be addressed. Like, you have to do this, Watsy. Every every ban and restricted, like, you got to do something. And now I think it's kind of reduced to like a tier two deck. It's like a sub 50% win rate. It's not, it's losing representation. Is this the kind of like reality that we have to accept of modern as well. And I don't, I keep, I don't want to go back to modern, but I do, which is just like, is this the type of thing that we need to keep in mind where it's like, let's have some perspective. Like we have seen that churn can happen without adding another card to the ban list for the next five, six years. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I think, I think we got to hold on a little bit and see what happens. Sure. That's right. I mean, there, there's all kinds of unanticipated stuff that can happen. I mean, remember, you know, like Prismatic Omen being added to the format made a huge difference in our, sorry, Prismatic Ending, yes, I was gonna Prismatic ask. Omen. <laughs> That's a different card. Prismatic Ending being added to Modern made a huge difference in like effectively made Heliod not work anymore when it was a bit of a menace in the format, like, or, or persisting around being a menace. Like there's, there's really subtle things that can happen to yes magic in general. There's new sets every two months, you know, like it's something, something can happen and something can happen to shake up pioneer as well, or yeah. something really subtle can happen and make a deck that was the menace become something of an also ran again. So it's, you know, yeah, the churn continues. Yeah, I think it's just a reminder to me, at least, where it's just like, hey, we can be patient, whether or not we necessarily want to be. The life, I mean, magic's been around for thirty years, right? Like, let's 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 try to keep that in mind. Sometimes, where putting a card on the ban list is sometimes worse than the alternative. Uh, let's get it quickly into the leaderboard standings for those who are not already qualified by winning one of these showdowns. Uh, so there's six at-large finishers who make it to the end of the year championship. I'm not sure if this list was updated after the modern event that finished on Sunday. I did check this today. It said it was updated on the 14th, which is Saturday. And that did include the winner of the Pioneer 10K. Although if the modern was a team event, I don't think that I guess they get points anyway. So here are the folks in the at-large spots. Benjamin Unger, he finished, they finished seventh place. They're now at 93 points. Will Kowalczyk also finished second here, was at 88 points. Chris Smith at 84. And then we have a pretty tightly grouped 
uh, pretty tight group of folks here with Fletcher Johnson at 70, Ryan Hayes at 69, and Cliff Boyardee at 67. So there's our current top six who would qualify if it ended today. But we have a good number of players who are within striking distance. They can grab one of these top six spots if they finish like in a top four or even a top eight for some of them. And the other folks up there don't get any points. So we've got Sarah Shearing at 63, Theodore Jung at 58, Sean Gallagher at 52, Casey Ryback at 51, and Travis Williams at 50. I think based on my math, those are the ones who have a legitimate spot at trying to snag the, one of the, the lower seeds out of those top six. Yeah. Well, congrats to all the people who did well this weekend in Indianapolis, and we are excited to see what happens with the conclusion of the Energy Championship Series for 2023 before we go into the Invitational from uh, this, the last event coming up in Madison. Oh, uh, Dave, just before we end this episode, I'm sure everyone's wondering, how, Shane, how did you do at your RCQ? I, I ended up at 4-2, and two, 14th place out of 61. Another totally adequate finish. You heard what I had to say about Scam Mirrors earlier. Here, was, here were my six matchups, by the way, okay? Scam, Titan, Scam, Titan, Scam, Burn. It was very exciting. Yeah, there you go. I got some good experience. Nailed it. So... That wraps up this week's show. If you haven't yet, feel free to subscribe to our podcast. You get the latest episodes as soon as they come out on Thursday morning, usually. If you use Apple Podcasts, feel free to leave us a rating or review or get engaged with us on Spotify. We'll probably post another poll because last week's did so well. So keep a lookout for what we ask on uh, the Spotify episode this week. If you want to reach out to us, feel free to you know give us a tweet at the dive down, all one word. Give us an email at the dive down at gmail.com. If you want to support us, which we truly appreciate, you can join the Patreon at patreon.com slash the dive down or get in our store, grab some merch at the divedown.com slash store. Heavy play, of course, our most recent sponsor. You get some incredible deck and dice boxes, play mats using the equip mag system, which I can vouch for being cool. I definitely had some people even stop me like kind of wide-eyed as I was attaching stuff together, snapping the, the deck box and dice box together. And I was like, uh, go to this URL and use this code, my friend. And they were definitely perhaps thinking about it. We'll see if they did. Perhaps. You can use code the dive down 2023 for 10% off your first order at heavyplay.com. Mana Traders, of course, longtime affiliate. You can use code the dive down 23, all one word, for 10% off of your first two months of renting magic online cards there. And of course, uh, Barrister and Man, shaving soaps, body soaps, fragrances, and more. 15% off your first order using code the dive down 23. And Nerd Rage, you heard us talk about them for a little while. They give our listeners 8% off of their paper card order with code dive8. Thank you, Nowhere. Thank you, Spaceblood, for letting us use your music for so long. And until next week, get out there and plant some beans.